HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hi, this is Marion Nessel. I'm the Paulette Goddard Professor of Nutrition, Food Studies, and Public Health at New York University and a longtime fan of Heritage Radio. Like Marion, you too can support Heritage Radio Network, a member-based nonprofit radio station operating out of Bushwick, Brooklyn. I've been on it countless times. I love being interviewed. The interviewers are always really well prepared and fun to talk to about the issues that matter to me the most, uh, about how we can change our food system to one that's healthier for people and the environment. It's just invaluable to have an independent radio station that's dealing with these issues. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful asset. Support Heritage Radio Network by becoming a member today. Go to heritageradionetwork.org and click on the beating heart to donate. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit Corin.com. This is Sherry Bayer from All in the Industry. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, Visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Hello, welcome to Japan Eats. I'm your host, Takiko Katayama, a food writer and a director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deeper understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from our studio at Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every deli and supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi, ramen, izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, and I will try to demystify it in this program with my cool guest. And my guest today is Shintaro Okamoto, who is the co-owner and owner of Okamoto Studio in Long Island City, Queens, which is an artist collective best known to design, produce, and consult everything made of crystal clear ice. And if you see Shintaro's uh, ice sculptures, you will not believe they are made of ice. Ice is such a delicate and time-sensitive material, but Shintaro has established an amazing business that, that offers a unique experience with, with ice. So we'll talk about how Shintaro became an ice sculptor, challenges dealing with ice, and how to make a perfect ice for cocktails and more. Hello, Shintaro. Welcome to Japan Eats. Thank you for inviting me. So, um, okay, uh, I heard that you were born in Japan and uh, raised in Alaska. 
uh, encouraged. So could you tell us how you became an ice sculptor in New York City? Uh, well, uh, everything started uh, with my father uh, working with ice. Uh, he uh, was a, a master ice carver. Um, I grew up playing with ice um, uh, in Alaska. I was born in Japan, um, uh, in Fukuoka, lived there till nine, mm -hmm. and my family uh, moved to uh, Anchorage, Alaska. Uh, and uh, my father was trained as a sushi chef. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, during the early 80s, um, Anchorage was a very booming international uh, city. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think mainly with, uh, you know, the, the, a lot of the air, air, airplanes refueling in Anchorage. Oh, okay. uh, so there, there was a lot of uh, international communities. Mm -hmm. And uh, Anchorage, Alaska was uh, uh, one of the, the early cities that really um, embraced um, Japanese restaurants. Yeah, I didn't and, know that. And uh, so, you know, my father had an opportunity to uh, own a restaurant uh, as, as a part owner. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, without speaking the language, you know, <laughs> uh, with, uh, with the family, you know, my mom, myself, and I have a, a younger brother. Mm. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's, that's just how everything started. Wow, but he was, uh, he was already a chef in Japan? He was not a chef in Japan, actually. Uh, he, you know, my, my, my family comes from, I think, just serial uh, entrepreneur. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and uh, you know, my father, uh, the, the, the family business on my father's side was a, a general contracting, mm. actually. And uh, my father used to do landscapings and, you know, even like... Uh, construction work mm. um, uh, but on the side uh, he's also uh, had opened um, um, uh, burger shops mm. and <laughs> and uh, you know just many random things uh, that, that he's done he's always fascinated with America mm. um, he's always wanted to uh, establish a career outside of Japan mm. um, I know that just before going to Alaska there was a an opportunity to even be a farmer in Brazil <laughs> and it's something that he seriously very mm. briefly entertained so mm. um, I guess I could have been speaking Portuguese now <laughs> well there's a decision he made yeah. So. Yeah. Right. so he sounds like he was a very handy person make it happen yeah he, he was definitely a man of all in you know, all trades and uh, and you know when when he heard this opportunity to uh, run a Japanese restaurant he really embraced it mm. and uh he spent uh, just a little over a year in Tokyo training as a sushi chef. Wow. Um, and that's where he um, came across ice carving. Hmm. Um, ice carving is, uh, you know, part of, has a long history with the culinary world. Um, it's often an elective uh, where you, you know, craft something out of ice mm. um, to create a display right. uh, for food. And, uh, you know, it's something that he, he took, uh, uh, you know, uh, curiosity towards. And I think he kind of uh, uh, stretched the truth about being able to touch ice here and there before. And he, he got to carve a couple of things and really enjoyed it. But mm. had, had, had the tools with him um, and then went to Alaska um, and then put away the tools for the first few years until, you know, he really kind of stabilized the business and, and, and family. Mm. Um, and then he was just that one, I remember a, a boring, you know, winter day. He took, you know, myself and my brother to a, to a lake, a frozen lake, and took out a chainsaw and cut a block and, 
and uh, carved a, a swan and gave it to a friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then other people started asking for it. Oh, wow. And, you know, next thing we know, he, he had kind of a, a side business wow. uh, making ice sculptures. Mm, that's um, called the talent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, he's, he's an interesting guy. You know, he, he really just kind of Embrace whatever his curiosity took him. So, mm. and you know, he he always took it to a, a another level. Mm. And uh, he he quickly kind of. I mean, I, I think it was an, a timing as well. But that's when um, ice sculpting competitions and communities at, at large in the states were just blossoming. Okay. So, just really the first few after few for, you know few years of playing with ice and working with ice, there was a first international ice. Carving competition in Anchorage, oh, wow. and my dad was in, you know invited to to uh, uh, you know be part of that, and I was his partner, mm. um, and you know I think I was thirteen or so, wow. um, and uh, I think uh, you really love that community. You know, it's very much kind of DIY. Um, you know, we take the tools just you know off the shelf and kind of modify that so that it works with ice. And there's a lot of tinkering around. There's a lot of kind of innovative, you know, um, tools that, that kind of gets shared and goes around. Mm. So um, my father really uh, enjoyed that community and really kind of became a pioneer in, um, in um, just kind of elevating the artistry of what's possible with ice. Mm. So it sounds like uh, the destiny... Right, led uh, led him to Alaska. Because thank goodness it was not Miami. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, if if it was my destiny, ultimately, I mean, it was a funny way around him. I I, I did not enjoy working with ice. First of all, I mean, it was cold and you know, it's <laughs> wet and heavy and slippery. And my my job with him was cleaning his his chipped ice <laughs> and you know holding this piece that he has to fuse onto in the middle of the night when it's minus 30 degrees and <laughs> my gloves wet and i can't wait to go to the warming station and eat another bowl of chili you know mm, wow so well you were trained like a sushi chef by your father too, yes right? definitely i mean my father was not a man of you know too many words i mean it's you really learn by watching him mm. and um you know i was uh you know very much uh you know learned from observation and and uh you know that's that's just how it's been i, I kind of had to kind of soak it up mm. okay so but uh were you always interested in arts by yourself yeah i mean arts was definitely deeply ingrained in, in you know in in my life um um i was always surrounded with with uh, with arts you know with museums to you know art books and mm. um uh, i might i'm, I, I'm I'm a painter in, by training. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been drawing and, and painting. Um, you know, my young age, uh, I mean, I, I was going to, you know, drawing classes or I had, you know, paint, my father had painter friends who took me up and in Japan, oh, in Japan oh, always wow. just was drawing with me. Mm. Um, I was really into calligraphy uh, when I was real young. Um, and then uh, once we moved to Alaska, uh, I was just fascinated with wildlife mm. and uh, I just loved drawing animals from uh. bears to moose to <laughs> beavers to whales and my first year in in, in, uh, in America without even speaking the language um, I was I you know I was asked to be part of this uh, class project uh, making um, watercolor drawings for a, a competition mm. and I won and uh, 
you know, I, I got a thousand dollars and got an invitation to uh, the governor's mansion in, in Juneau. Awesome. My mom wore a kimono. <laughs> uh, my uh, bilingual teacher had to come along because I did not speak English. Wow. Um, and that really kind of opened up mm-hmm. um, to uh, um, a whole lot of opportunity for me. Um, you know, the school district then was very uh, uh, wealthy from from the oil money in, mm. in Alaska. Right. And there was a, a great innovative program called the uh, um, Gifted Program, mm-hmm. where I was given an a internship, an externship uh, program since my elementary school. Wow. So every, you know, every week for a few hours, um, I was taken out of the class and I was matched with a wildlife artist. Mm-hmm. And I would spend an hour drawing and learning different techniques and I've been, I was part of that program since all the way through high school. Amazing. And doing, you know, doing arts. And uh, I was going to uh, local college classes at night. Mm. Uh, so I would do school work and I'll do sports. And then after that, I would go to this like night classes. Right. So the, your intention really, you know, solidified your choice. of You went to uh, Brown University, right? right? And then, but you majored uh, medicine and arts. So where did it come from? <laughs> Well, that that was part of um, my journey through the gifted program. Actually, I was I was you know doing a lot of life drawing classes in my middle school and early high school years, mm-hmm. um, and I was doing you know new drawings and I, I wanted to to uh, understand the body more. Mm-hmm. Uh, naturally, got myself in kind of from the outside skin to muscles, you know, skeletal structures to the internal organs and. <laughs> and it was, was like a, it was became this trajectory of, of my desire to just keep finding out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, it's uh, it was an, <laughs> you know I was speaking to my my uh, internship coordinator and she suggested that I that I, I, I look into medicine maybe, and that opened up to a whole another field for me. <laughs> uh, from you know I was I've studied with plastic surgeons and wow. and general surgeons and. I was doing medical drawings for them in exchange to be able to kind of observe uh, a lot of the procedures and, and, and work. Right. So when I was you know, heading to college and I was an incredible opportunity to go to an amazing school like Brown, um, you know, I chose that school because uh, there was a you know, Roland School of Design just across the street, mm. which is one of the best art schools in the, in, you know, in the country. Right. And I thought I'd get the best of the two worlds. Um, so, uh, that's, that's, uh, how it was. And, you know, I struggled all four years. It was just a split, you know, brain and, you know, I was guilty painting when I was, you know, when I wasn't doing my <laughs> chemistry tests and, uh, you know, I was, you know, I would do lab work and I'm thinking about like what I want to do with my paintings. And, right. um, I, I just really pushed both until, you know, one day my, really my last semester in my senior year, it just kind of clicked in me that, that um, I, I have to be part of, you know, uh, in, in the life of, of an artist. And mm, that could have been, you could have been a doctor now. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I really had one foot, in, you know, kind of heading toward there. But, you know, I, I remember it's just, it just, it, it was a point of uh, clarity and calling my parents up and saying, hey, this is what I want to do. And they really didn't question me. They really supported me. Mm. And, uh you know, everything kind of started from there. Right. So what is the, that uh, Eureka moment? Like, I have to go for art versus medicine. Um, there really wasn't. It was really uh, just a simple clarity. Mm. You know, it was like, this is what I want to do. And, and I think 
you know, there was something very kind of predictable that I saw、mm. in a life of medicine, and I, I really kind of、uh, lost、uh, the the passion and the reason why I was in that world. You know, through、um, you know the the, the Kind of work that, that I was doing. I wasn't really enjoying myself. And, and it wasn't just a short sighted, you know, down feeling. It was, it was just something that, like,、uh, there was a, something else that I need to be doing.、Mm, okay. So,、um, so now, you know, that medicine part is, I have a question. So, when you carve something, do you have that anatomy knowledge reflected in my sculptures?、Um, you know, I mean, it certainly helps. I mean, I think more than anything,、um, you know, fellow artists in, in my studio often talk about just、uh, having the knowledge of the things of the world, you、mm-hmm. know, because what we do at a studio, we do such wide range of things from, you know, one day we'll be making uh, uh, something architectural,、uh, like an ice bar or a room full of made, all made out of ice. Uh, or we have to make a replica of a Porsche or、mm. any, some kind of product, or you know, we have to carve a, a Porsche replica, or、uh, we have to carve a giant rhinoceros or something. <laughs> And you know, it, that, that switching of the gear that we, happens on a daily basis for us,、um, it, there's a huge benefit when we just understand proportions of the things, you、mm. know. So,、um, having that, 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 that knowledge of just how. You know, the scales and proportions of,、mm. of things around us have、um, really uh, uh, informed our work. Right. So it determines、uh, the structure. So you, you have the most important part by knowing the kind of. Yeah, it, it was like, almost like learning engineering, but through kind of medicine,、mm. at least in, in, in that part. Right. Interesting. So that's another destiny you went to,、uh, thought of going to medicine too. Yeah.、Right. yeah. Well, I mean, there's, there's definitely no regret, you know?、Right. I, mean, I really. Um, enjoyed it, and you know, I, I this, you know, that that the, the physicalness of it all, I think, is is always something that's very、uh, much part of me.、Mm. Reminds me of Michelangelo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, my my father was always talking about Michelangelo, and、uh, you know, when I was.、Uh, You know, small in, in, in Anchorage, my parents were you know, both out in restaurants.、Uh, they weren't home at night, and I was a latchkey you know, child. And every day, my father would、uh, give me a homework.、Mm. And we had a giant book of complete you know, book of Michelangelo. <laughs> and every day, he would pick a page and leave it on my desk. And my, my task was to、uh, copy that drawing.、Wow. And then the next day in the morning over breakfast, we would like, talk about it.、Mm. Amazing.、Yeah. Wow. I wish he was here too. <laughs> <Yeah> . <laughs>、right. Okay, so,、uh, so what's so fascinating about、uh, Ice sculpture, too. In other words, you know, you were drawing, painting, and then you decided to go into ice. Yeah. So, maybe, first of all, wh- how did it happen? And from, from arts to ice? Yeah.、Um, well,、um, you know, like I said, I mean, it was,、uh, it was something that was always around me.、Um, and、uh, if anything, it's something that I took for granted. Uh, I was finishing up my, my master's, my MFA in, in painting at Hunter College.、Mm-hmm. And, you know,、um, I was just finishing up、um, and, uh, uh, school and thinking about what's life after,、mm-hmm. you know. And 
uh, you know, I, I, I was married. Uh, then I had, I had a family. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had to, you know, support the family. And, uh, you know, I was always talking with my father. I had a great working relationship with him always. Mm-hmm. He was in Alaska. He was, uh, you know, actually just f- kind of finishing up, uh, setting up the first Benihana. Mm. Uh, in Anchorage, okay. and it was a great success. Right. Um, and uh, and he wanted to do something different. He felt like he was kind of done, mm-hmm. kind of. Uh, and you know, as I was finishing up, my f- we were just always talking. My father sold his share in the business. He was a free agent. He sold his house. Everything. He, he, he just became a free man. Mm. And uh, we thought we'll do something together. You know, it was it was me either going to this very um, you know, the competitive, tough uh, teaching world uh, mm. uh, in the arts. If I were to do something responsible, <laughs> <laughs> uh, or, or 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 you know, do something with with everything that, that I've learned thus far, and um, you know, we you know, one night you said, hey, what 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 about um, you know. Uh, making ice sculptures mm. um, we, we kind of looked into the event industry and you know it's it's an you know it's a multi you know million dollar industry that's just thriving in the city mm. you know amazing amount of parties going on every day um, and there was a you know there's a there's a hunger for uh, quality something different mm. and and ice carving at large was not really you know uh, happening in the city. Mm, that's um, interesting. You know, there there was not there, there was a lot of um, kind of a cookie cutter, you know, uh, like hearts and doves and swans that was going on, <laughs> right. but nothing, you know, and uh, that's that's really kind of custom and challenging and different. Mm. Uh, and you know, I think there was a a conviction that there, if, if there's a, a a gap in the market mm. um, that. I felt confident that my father had the the knowledge uh, and the skill set, um, and and also you know the art sensibility that I got from the opportunity to educate myself in, in the art world uh, for for a long time, and and uh, you know growing up in food service you know business um, and and just serial and you know, entrepreneurship you know all around me, mm. the whole like just doing you know business and and, and customer service and and. And uh, and also just there was that Japanese sensibility, you know, mm-hmm. that, um, that that thoroughness, that the perfectionism, like. uh, and doing something you know different. Uh, it all just kind of clicked and came together. So mm. we really kind of jumped into that. Right. So that is amazing that uh, you know father and son. Like you said, you had always good relationship, but it's not easy to have business together. Oh. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, and, you know, I mean, it was definitely a roller coaster, of course, you know, um, especially when we started out, we started out from nothing mm. uh, with almost very little communication, I mean, uh, connections to to uh, get our names out there. Mm. Um, so it was really about, you know, building a website and, uh, um, you know, uh, you know, thanks to my father, there's some seed money after him, you know. You know, selling everything and you know, starting everything here. Um, felt really responsible mm. for for all of that. For him to entrust me with with all, all of that, um, and really started out by really kind of donating our work to uh, you know fundraising events and galas and mm. and and uh, phone calls from 
events were, you know, last minute orders where something was ordered, but like it fell through and needed us to step up. <laughs> and, and we did. And that's how we really gained a, um, our clients one by one. Mm, because you have to, you know, if I had to order an ice sculpture, you know, I have to really know how good you are because yeah. you can't, it's really, you know, until it's done, you can't see the results. Exactly. Right? And so, I mean, that's a, that's a great point. I mean, I think, um, you know, I feel like more than anything, we sell trust, you mm -hmm. know, because what we do is custom, because what we do is uh, one of a kind. Um, it was really important for me that from the first phone call mm -hmm. that, that we present ourselves professionally mm -hmm. and that our, you know, our brand and our identity is very clear to people. And, you know, uh, I provide the, the sketches with the dimensions and diameters and explaining what, what's possible and what we can do and educating our clients. And, and you know, we, we, we want to make sure our clients trust us. Mm -hmm. And when we hit that point of trust... Um, it really opens up mm. and, uh, you know, people get really excited and people are allowed to dream. Right. Okay. So, um, so the, what kind of clients do you have so far? Um, I mean, we work with a wide range of clients in the city. I mean, New York City is such an amazing city. I mean, this is a city where the best of the best mm. of all fields, you know, come together and, you know, brainstorm and, uh, you know, we, we do work with fashion to film to, you know, corporate to private, um, you know, product launches, you know, galas, uh, um, you know, weddings and bar mitzvahs, of course. Right. And, uh, you know, we make wide range of sculptures on something sculptural, uh, like replicas to portraits to, mm. you know, environments, something architectural. Uh, to something functional like ice bars, ice luges, mm -hmm. uh, you know, something to, to chill food. We work very closely with hotels and, you know, catering companies. Mm. Um, we've worked with uh, just a wide, wide range of people. Mm. Yeah, I looked at uh, your website and then, uh, for instance, you have a MoMA, the Museum of Modern Art, uh, Martha Stewart, NBC, Jimmy Choo, Facebook, Porsche, Coca-Cola, like you name it, any yeah. kinds of industry. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, every phone call we get, it's like, why did you think of doing this out of ice? Because <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> but they do. And, and, you know, we start talking and, you know, they, you know, they really embrace the, the vision that we come up together. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we're just super grateful and, you know, it's it's very important for us that we come up with the design, um, really that 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 we can be behind, be mm. behind, and you know, we really always just kind of start with that question, like why why made this make this out of ice? Mm. You know, why not you know out of glass or wood or stone or you know foam or anything? Mm. And once we can kind of convince ourselves of that design that it makes sense, that's made out of ice, that really becomes an impetus for us to really kind of push the envelope mm. and uh you know clients really you know um, embrace that and uh Interesting. we get to have fun right. so what is not right for making with ice well i mean a lot is possible a lot is possible i mean i think the only limitation is the law of gravity you know <laughs> <laughs> and 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 you know we we've had the the we have the, the fortune of having the facility and know-how working mm. with ice and 
you know, it's, it's there's a lot of physics, there's a lot of engineering. Right. Um, and uh, we do a lot of homework, you mm. know, like, where is it going? How is it going? Right. How much time do we have? Right. Um, and, you know, it's one thing to create a sculpture, but it's another thing to, to see how it's being situated, how mm. it actually performs. Right. Um, ice is very much what we feel is a performative material. Mm. You know, it's, it, you know, it's the, the, the real beauty comes from the way it, it you know, reveals itself during and throughout the event mm. you know it's constantly changing right so in um, other words you can make anything but is it feasible and operationally possible and can you make the best one yeah in all the limited conditions absolutely right. and we give a lot of details to the sculpture we make you know um you know it's not like we make something and we make it kind of chunky and say hey it's gonna look good, great in, in in the next you know 45 <laughs> minutes i mean i feel strongly that you know um it's the first impression that's beautiful mm. and that's very important um and once you have that first impression uh, if you take that to a very high level you know um that gets burned into people's memory mm. and it's that gap from that point on as it melts and people realize that it's made of ice and it really makes that present moment that much more precious mm. so you know um you know what is so fascinating about ice sculpture to you um i mean ice as a material is a fascinating material mm. um as an you know uh, as an artist you know th there is that uh, um there's a constant gap of unknowing that I think is humbling mm. and that's that's always fascinating mm. um, you know we create something but once it gets set we just don't know how, how it performs and 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 uh, finding out how that works is always um, uh, you know um, satisfying in, in the learning that, that, that that's involved mm. um, there's the constant letting go because once we make something it's gone it's not coming right. back right. Um, which is great because you know you know as you know as, as, a, as a painter in training and you know understanding you know what it is to, to make make uh, something as, as a maker you know you create something you get to look at it reflect on it but you want to move on you know I don't want this thing setting, sitting around and kind of haunting me of all the right. you know imperfections <laughs> that I've made I have to live with that right. ice I can just let it go it's just <laughs> it's gone it's past right. you know um, so that's really liberating mm. um, right and uh but the process is very traditional you know um the tools we use are almost identical to carving wood or stone mm. you know from from chainsaws to chisels to drills to it's a it's a straight out reductive process mm. you know we start from a block and we see the, the the object within and we carve around it um and uh you know there's something romantic about you know, having this this very um, where the process is very brute mm -hmm. uh, to create something very ephemeral, right. you know, very fragile, very you know beautiful, mm. crystalline. Mm -hmm. You know, that gap is is uh, is beautiful, right. and uh, that the romantic aspect of it, um, it's hard to shake off. I mean, I think it's nice, you know, mm. um, and and uh, and I, I like the the event. Uh, the involvement in the event industry, you know, it's it's very exciting. 
Um, we often do it in a very short term time, mm. um, and to, it's a very collaborative process, working with many different kind of you know aspect of how it performs. So we are part of a very big thing, mm. and uh, that's that's also really um, humbling and and, and satisfying. Mm. Amazing. Okay, um, so we'll take a quick break here, and uh, when we come back, we'll talk about special ice for cocktails that Shintaro makes. So please stay with us. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant, from French to Pan Asian to American. And that is why they're located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's unique store in Lower Manhattan is home to perhaps the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan, plus the rarest natural sharpening stones and exquisitely designed tableware. They also host special events such as knife sharpening demonstrations and parties with New York's most famous chefs and restaurateurs. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the implicit and elegance of Japanese culture to your table, be it in your home or in the finest restaurant. For more information, visit corin.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Japanese Broadcasting Live from a Studio at Bushwick Brooklyn. I'm sorry, Bushwick Brooklyn. I'm your host, Akiko Katayama, and my guest today is Shintaro Okamoto, who is the owner of Okamoto Studio in Long Island City, Queens, which is an artist collective best known to design, produce, and consult everything made of crystal clear ice. So, um, how long does your sculpture last in general? Uh, in general, I, I say about six to eight hours before it loses details. It takes days for it to completely melt away. Mm. So you already have to time and the temperature. Of yeah, the absolutely. Place. I mean, it's, you know, it's 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 often part of the process of our any project that we do that to understand uh, where it exists and how it exists, how long. It's going to be on display, you know, when it's when it should peak. Mm. Uh, we manipulate the design where we might want to exaggerate certain parts or, you know, generalize certain parts so that it can really kind of have a maximum shelf life. Mm. Right. But, uh, you know, I mean, my house, freezer, ice, that melts really quickly yeah and whatever i've seen your products but then it's more solid right how do you make it yeah well i mean the the magic really comes from the the really the purity of and and the density Mm. of the ice and that's the clarity you know it's the crystal clear ice it's crystal clear because there's no um air bubbles inside Mm. and uh in terms of physics it's that means um 
it's the it's the minimum surface area. You know, any air bubbles that you have, there's a surface inside, uh, inside, mm. and that that's exposed to some kind of air that that warms up quicker than the the ice itself. Right. So that that really contributes to the speed of melting. So we have a very densely frozen, you know, crystal clear ice. Mm. So it, it definitely melts slower than a than a, you know you know. Uh, kind of a traditional ice you see from a you know from a refrigerator mm. you know uh, or, or, you know dispensed from the freezers. I mean, those, you see those white cloudy eyes; those are all air bubbles trapped inside. Right, but how you how do you make it? <laughs> well, I mean, the ice block itself really is made through an industry standard machine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, each machine makes two blocks. Each block is about forty inches by twenty inches, about ten inches. It's a little shy of three hundred pounds. Um, it takes about three days. Um, you know, maybe about four days in the summertime. Mm. Uh, so it's you know, it takes days for it to make. You know, mm. it takes a lot of uh, care uh, and and uh, monitoring making these mm. these blocks of ice. So if you do it slow, an air bubble come up. And then well, the can... machine. Uh, Uh, there, there, you know, there, there are a couple great features that make make uh, clear blocks. There's a coolant in the bottom, uh, so it freezes from bottom up. It's a unidirectional freezing, mm. and the water is constantly being agitated with a pump. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's moving the water. So it's free. It's, it's freezing the moving water from bottom up. Keeps all the impurities. Uh, and any kind of air bubbles on the top surface at all times. Mm. So you know uh, when when we're ready to pull the ice from the machine, you know we have this kind of uh, organic surface on the top. Um, and you know once we pull that out and uh, we we size it with uh, with a bandsaw, we have a, a perfect uh, you know clear clear block of ice. Though mm. no, obviously you can't make it. Easily, you need a special machine, and yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the, now there are with the whole you know trend of of uh, beautiful cocktail ice uh, and bars around the country. You know, there are all these small uh, kind of design companies coming up through Kickstarters in here and there uh, <laughs> about how to make clear ice. Um, when, you know, once you understand the science, you can make it. Um, yeah. Through you know, using coolers and and different containments and kind of double, you know, kind of almost like using a double boilers and all that. <laughs> But I mean, in all that process, what you get is is, is appreciation how much process that goes into it. Mm. There's a lot of work that goes into making crystal right. clear ice. It's not by nature. It's not the same as uh, the ice you make at home. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, the closest thing you find in nature is kind of like creek ice. You know, you see like creek running and you see the ice crystalling around it. Mm. It's very clear, clear. Because the water is moving, right? You know? Interesting. Okay, and uh, the other thing I was thinking, you know, lighting is very important. Yeah. Right. So when you uh, bring your product to clients, do you discuss it too? Absolutely. I mean, ice is clear, and you know the 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 I think one of the seductive feature of mm-hmm. of working with ice is being able to manipulate. Um, the light refractive quality mm. that it has, and you know, once you hit light to it from the outside and the inside, um, it, it, it really shines, and it becomes a, a focal point of, of wherever it exists. Mm. You know, from small parties to you know, giant big you know events. Um, Having our eyes and become a, a focal point have mm. have really elevated you know the, that the experience of that space. Right. So you know, 
by default, we provide lighting uh, through you know a plug-in fluorescence or LED uplightings. Uh, we like to light from from the underneath, from within, so that the light really shines from the outs, you know, inside out. Mm. Um, it really um, uh, kind of high, highlights the the silhouette of the sculpture we make, and mm. any kind of lines that that exists, you know, in from from sharpness to to metal curves throughout. Uh, the event it, it really kind of pronounced itself, mm-hmm. and it really gives life to it. Right. Yeah. So you are performing as a lighting designer as well. There's definitely that too, and uh, you know, um, and uh, it's it's always a pleasure working with many different lighting you know vendors mm-hmm. uh, that we get to work with. Right. You know, we've done fashion shows where we work with uh, lighting designers, uh, and and it's it's amazing. Um, you know how people think uh, mm. about light when it comes to ice. I mean, it's it's very different from like lighting glass or lighting uh, acrylic. Mm-hmm. You know, it, uh, it's a it's a it's a living molecule and it does a different thing. Right. So it's really a package that you sell. It's not just ice, you know, carved and done, yeah. but it's the whole package. And yeah, I mean, we really operate our studio as as a full service, you know, uh, company from. From design to production to delivery to installation to takedowns to, you know, bringing in big ice as wonderful and beautiful as it is. It's it's heavy. It's wet. Slippery. Right. You got to manage, you know, where the water is going to go. And especially if you're going to some very high end space in New York City, what do you do with giant ice after this thing's over? You know, <laughs> people can't just chuck it. Right. You know, we have to go back and. And we have to do it well. And, you know, we're in a, an amazing space. Like you said, we, we've done events like MoMA. We've done events at, you know, um, multi-million dollar townhouses to, right. you know, the mo- outdoors and rooftops and <laughs> riverside. And, you know, it, they, all that requires an immense amount of logistics mm. um, that, that we, we have to embrace as part of our services. Right. So... I want to hear, is there any big, like, mishap or something, some uh, tragedy happen? <laughs> Knock on wood, I gotta find wood. No, okay. <laughs> no. No, I mean, you know, it's, uh, I mean, in terms of the, the pro- for products and services we provide, it's, it's, there's very little wiggle room. You mm. know, it's because it's, it's one material. And, and because, you know, we can't just duplicate it in a snap. Um, so we really have to treat it like an, a work of art. Mm. So there's a lot of um, preparations that, that we, we lead up to it. Mm. Um, and I have an amazing crew and amazing artists that we, we collaborate to work with in every commission that we get. Mm. So, you know, um, I, I'm certainly not alone in doing this. Uh, there's a constant kind of collaborative, creative, um, you know, process that happens uh within our studio mm. to do every project that we do right well sounds like uh, a lot of people could be intrigued into <laughs> working at your place yeah, it's yeah. Fascinating hey, we're business. always looking for new talent so give me a call <laughs> okay so listeners <laughs> yeah you should contact uh shintaro's studio i'm going to give you a uh, the website later. Thank you. Right. So, um, so what's the price of uh, price range of your ice sculpture? I mean, it really, de- you know, it depends. We 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 make something as intimate as you know cocktail ice to uh, individual uh, plates made out of ice to um, you know some of the most 
popular pieces would be like ice luges, mm. where great for parties where people get to pour cocktail through any kind of designs and, mm. and be creating an interactive process to, you know, something to, to chill the seafood that, that's often worked uh, for catering companies, mm. um, ice bars, um, furniture made out of ice, um, you know, to uh, portrait replicas. It really depends on the scales and sizes that we work with. Mm. In general, a single block sculpture that's about three feet high, three feet wide, mm -hmm. starts at around 500 and up. Mm. Okay. So that's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so how do you deal with the freezing temperature when you work on nice for hours? Yeah. Well, um, we... Uh, by default, we, we work outside the freezers, actually. Well, we bring the, the ice blocks out, we temper them, uh, and we just cut uh, in our studio space in ambient temperature. Mm. Uh, we just got to work a little bit faster during the summer because <laughs> it's really, really warm. Um, but, you know, in the ice carving world, there's there's two types. There's the dry carver and the wet carvers. We're considered the wet carvers. We carve outside. I mean, mm. that's just how we were taught. That's just how my father was, mm. you know, and... Uh, uh, and you know this you know whenever we have to do something very detailed work that we would go into you know inside the freezer and mm -hmm. preserve that uh, but you know our facility is is set up to to carve in in that way mm. so but you know I mean people often say like well you don't get cold because you know you work with ice or they say that because I'm from Alaska <laughs> <laughs> and, we, and I always say that's not how evolution works <laughs> you know we just have better gear right. you know we have great kick ass jackets and gloves and pants and hats right. um, so you know uh, you know that, that, that's, that's, that, that's, that's where the magic is mm, okay so, um, oh, by the way, another product you offer at the Okamoto Studio is uh, ice for high-end cocktail bars. And uh, first of all, how can high-quality co high cocktail ice can improve uh, the taste of the drink? Well, um, ice is a huge integral part uh, of the you know the the, the drink experience, mm. um, from you know uh, shaking to you know the final presentation to until the last sip, uh, you know, ice is very much part of it. Mm. Um, so um, I think it's only natural to uh, provide the, the most absolute beautiful uh, ice uh, mm. from beginning to the end. Um, I've always known there's something special we can do with the cocktail ice, you know, in Japan. Um, and I think that's where the Jap Japan gets weaved in. Right. You know, there's a long history in the cocktail world mm -hmm. where ice is very much respected. Right. And bartenders, uh, very often they carve ice by hand. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, my father, I mean, he, he was never a drinker, but he's always known that there's a block of ice always sitting now, you know, in the restaurant context. Uh, and people often chip the ice. And, you know, uh, as, as a f someone who, who works in the food service, you want to respect and elevate every ingredient there is mm. and and how can you not in the cocktail world right. you know? especially if you have a bad ice you can taste it absolutely and, and you know we've worked I mean in the ice sculpture context we work with all these high spirits you know clients and, and so I always think like you have this amazing mm. history and story behind these spirits and co you, know, uh, li you know liquors but he used these crappy ice and and you're diluting it with crappy water. <laughs> That's sad. And in that moment, all that beauty is gone, mm -hmm. you know. 
so it was always in my head that I wanted to to um, share uh, our ice because right. we have the, the perfect ice mm. uh, and and I wanted to kind of you know kind of just connect with the right people and how that goes and you know that's just kind of you know that that's how we started I just always had it in my head and mm. and uh, you know one day you know um, few people came to us um, and and uh, you know we, we started talking and um, uh, and you know when we first started uh, showing our ice people were making trying to make clear ice through sheet pan freezing sheet pans mm. you know sheet pan full of water and then there'd be a little small part of that ice that's clear so they would you know break that the cloudy part away and use that uh, clear ice mm. but it's very you know long process and you can only do so much <laughs> you know so we were able to kind of bring economy of scale to to that product right Okay, and uh, what kind of water do you use for cocktail ice? Well, I mean, the, uh, the water is, you know, it's kind of straight out filtered, you know, water. You know, you know we want to use the clearest water as w- we mm-hmm. can. Um, but the clarity really comes from the process of freezing. Mm. You know, like, like I said, there's, there's any kind of impurity there is in the water gets, gets really kind of uh, separated on mm. top surface. And we, we, we end up with this beautiful, clear, clear uh, ice. Mm. So the, the magic is in, like, what do you do from that giant block of ice? Because you have to start from that big block of ice. Right. Um, we cut them down, you know, through use of specialized, you know, uh, machines and tools mm. that we dedicated just to, to that production. Uh, we have freezer dedicated to creating cocktail ice right. and, you know, open ourselves up to our clients and, and, and have that customizable level where we say, give me your barware, uh, you know, your glassware. And we will, you know, propose, a, you know, uh, ice that fits into that glass mm. because the beauty is in, is in that clarity and the singularity that we mm. can provide that fits into your glassware. Right. And again, there's a lighting effect in the glass, too. Absolutely. I mean, again, like, you know, you go to these bars and they have beautiful tumblers, you know, there's a beautiful glass. And, and you want to really complement that. Mm. And that really comes from, you know, completely clear one piece of, 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 of ice. Mm. Right. So um, maybe you can give us some names, cocktail bars, where we can try your ice. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're fortunate to work with client, great, great, you know, clients from PDT to Little Branch, Rain's Law Room, Momofuku, uh, the whole, the whole, um, you know, uh, restaurants from there to uh, Royalton Hotel. Um, you know, the, those are some of the few places that uh, that we work with, um, and uh, uh, it's they're they're uh, great venues that really respect mm. the ingredient. You know, it's one thing to make clear ice and we get a lot of calls for it and we work for as many other places but it's another place that it's another thing to uh, to you know educate these venues and have them understand what it means to maintain these ice too mm. you know we we provide small batch packagings uh to these cubes um so that you know people can open it uh, little by little mm. you know if you have cubes that just open up and 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 then they, they suck in the air uh, right. within the freezer or there's frost that builds around it. Mm. All those things affect uh, the, the flavor of the cocktail. Definitely. You know, so um, 
uh, I love working with clients who who kind of see through that mm. uh, and and their you know their their intelligence and depth and commitment mm. uh, really kind of lines up with you know what what we want to do. Right. Yeah. So I understand it's a recipe part of the recipe. I see such an important part. So. Absolutely. Right. Okay. So uh, what is my last question? So what is your plan for the future? Uh, the plan for the future. I mean, there's, um, I mean, there's so much that I still want to do. You know, I mean, people are still discovering, um, you know, what's possible with with ice and what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, just past uh, uh, winter season, uh, we got to collaborate with Barney's New York, mm-hmm. uh, where we uh, transformed uh, the show window uh, into a, a truly working uh, ice studio. Uh, for their Christmas display. Wow. Uh, and we had, uh, you know, one of our crew working inside where all our outfits were designed by Montclair. Uh, and, uh, you know, we carved ice. And it was amazing to be able to open that up and, and people really learning what's possible and what we do. Mm. Um, and, you know, we want to kind of democratize you know our, our, what, what we do. And it's not just an esoteric high-end uh, thing, but, you know, it's something... People from from you know small birthdays to again like mm-hmm. weddings to whatnot like that we 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 want our sculptures to to exist in there uh, to help elevate mm-hmm. uh, the events in there. So in terms of the sculptural uh, level, I, I want to introduce that. Um, you know we want to continue working with the you know um, the food service community at large. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know ice has an incredible function of chilling uh, the food uh, and kind of having that as the, the driving force to create something different in you. Mm, so double function, that is interesting. Absolutely, you know. Right. Okay. So, we, you know, we have that going on. And, um, you know, uh, I, uh, you know, there's, there's just uh, there's so much that, that we, we were kind of playing around with. Okay, so uh, please come back and uh, you're going to tell us all those interesting things. Thank you. Right. Okay, so uh, thank you for joining us today, Shinta. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. So, uh, listeners, if you're interested in Shintaro's work, please visit the Okamoto Studio, nyc.com. That is uh, O-K-A-M-O-T-O, O-K-A-M-O-T-O, Studio, nyc.com. And if you have any questions or comments about the show, please contact us at heritageradionetwork.org. And you can sign up for our newsletter to get fun updates and event information at the bottom of our homepage. Japan Needs is live at 3, 3 p.m. on Mondays and always available at heritageradionetwork.org, iTunes, and Stitcher Podcast. Today's show was made possible by Corinne and our engineer is David Tatasure. And I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.